Here's another tune uh, from my album. It's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a semi-reggae number, so, you know, smoke them if you got them. It's called Hard Up Case. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Gaucho Amigos. I'm Alex. Today I play the second half of my conversation with Evan and Ian of Jokerman. Uh, in case you missed it, the first half went up last week. Uh, we talk about uh, a show that Steely Dan played in uh, Dallas in 1994 and focus on some of the choices they made in bringing back uh, the Steely Dan touring regime. Uh, there had been a almost 20-year hiatus. Um, in today's uh, half of the conversation, we kind of go track by track and talk about the uh, individual performances of the songs themselves a little more. So, And of course, I, I do provide uh, some of the clips uh, that are taken from that soundboard recording uh, of that show. So I hope you enjoy that. And yeah, before I uh, play the uh, episode, I just want to say, you know, thanks to Jokerman for doing it, you know, the um, it's been great seeing uh, their success, you know, since I have been uh, kind of in touch with them for the last couple of years and I've done three episodes of their show. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to those episodes, please uh, go and check those out. Uh, I joined them for episodes about Two Against Nature, The Nightfly and 11 Tracks of Whack. Uh, they also do another podcast called Never Ending Stories, which mostly focuses on Bob Dylan bootlegs, but I believe there's also uh, an episode where they do a Steely Dan bootleg. So, you know, feel free to check that out. Without further ado, this is the second half of my conversation with Evan and Ian of the Jokerman podcast. Thanks again to both of them. Enjoy. prehistory of steely dan becoming cool we were just before we talked to steven about the 2000 boot that we did recently yep. he sent uh, a screenshot of the pitchfork review of two against nature <laughs> which was a 1.6 and i just spent the entire fucking thing just merc- mercilessly and completely incorrectly of course uh shitting on them um so uh but so especially 1994 you know uh, this band has just reformed for the first time in, I guess, 15 years, basically, at this point. Um, and they're in Dallas for this particular show. Like, you, you do have to imagine that the crowd is not filled with uh, people like us, we could say. Uh, people who would be uh, uh, psyched to hear songs like Down in the Bottom and Tomorrow's Girls, uh, which are both included in this show. Um, so they do have to walk, I think, uh, especially at this moment in time, sort of a, a thin line, a bit of a tightrope between fulfilling themselves to whatever extent they can. And at the same time, you know, making making <laughs> making the hooting and hollering uh, masses happy to spend whatever amount they need to spend to get out to the fucking what's it called? The Starplex in Dallas. Right. Yep. Yeah, and also, well, I think one thing that works to the advantage of this particular show is that, you know, 
this is still the beginning of the Steely Dan reunion, right? So right. Um, I feel like bringing these songs back for the first time in many years, I feel like there is a freshness to them there that I, if I, you know, having seen them live in recent years, I don't know if I can say the same. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little hesitant to to knock <laughs> to knock the experience of having seen, you know, Peg or, or one of the, you know, Black Friday or something live, which is still great, but they do sound a little bit fresher here, I think, because and and also, and we can talk about this because you want to just jump right into, um, so it goes from the instrumental overture, it goes into Asia, which is, you know, I mean, fucking phenomenal here, just like they kill it. Yeah, the guitar solo is just like, man, I I it, like I understand that this song was never designed to be played live. Yeah. And, it, you know, when you listen to it on the record, you understand why. But listening <laughs> to this, it's like, I know they fuck like this is perfect. <laughs> it's immaculate. It is. It's an immaculate reconstruction. I mean, Wadinius, yeah, he's amazing. But Wadinius. Wadinius kills it. Yeah, I mean, uh the drummer is also great, Dennis Chambers. And the drum sound on this particular bootleg is like incredible. It sounds <laughs> so how about fresh. that drum solo that happens later? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it. What, what what other kind of stuff did he play? I was kind of wondering like what else he he's done. Dennis Chambers, like, the drummer? Yeah, the drummer. Yeah, he's like a very well-respected, like, you know, jazz fusion drummer. I mean, he's released solo like albums under his own name with like hugely i mean i'm not that deep in the world of jazz fusion but like i yeah. do love like this like this fucking crew of players that they've assembled here uh for this band at this moment in time and i i guess it would probably extend up until the recent days i can't say that i have any encyclopedic knowledge of the lineups that uh, they've played with you know over the last couple decades the way that we are quickly developing on <laughs> never ending stories for bob dylan um but uh it, it really does feel like people that are from like the jazz world and the jazz fusion world. It, they, these are not like rock musicians that they're just like pulling to play with them. Like these guys actually like have the chops and like they, they Don and Walt know who they are after here and are doing a perfect job in recruiting the right guys. Yeah. And I mean, that's a choice too, because they could have stripped it down and done a more, and done it more in the style of the original Steely Dan live incarnation, which was a rock band and just kind of right. that, you know, probably would have been a lot cheaper, a lot easier. Definitely. You know, they wouldn't have had they to lean into that orchestral thing. Yeah. They wouldn't have had to have these complex arrangements with, you know, 12 people. And, um, you know, like for example, the real and in the years that comes on after is not really the, you know, it's such a wildly different, you know, I love that real. I, I was amazed at that because like, I mean, that <laughs> like if there is going to be a Steely yeah. Dan song, you know, a classic song that I'm always just like, you know, who cares? It's going to be reeling in the years. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, because it's a great song, but just like, you know, Can't Buy Thrill is like barely even Steely Dan. Oh, shut um, up. Shut the but, fuck up. But it's uh, th this version of it. This version of it is fantastic. Um, the the way that they stretch it out and don't, like it's it's mostly the backup singer singing it, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Well, he just yeah, does well, the verses. they're very prominent. Yeah, yeah. the backup singers are just so present, and they are like it's actually kind of revelatory. Like the way that they come in, it's like a choir of angels. It, it is really dramatic. Have you had enough of mine? Are you real? 
Well, it's, um, I mean, it's almost a cover of the song. It's so wildly different. Yeah, like yeah. the chords are different. The 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 it's in a different key, and um, I mean, even Donald's delivery is like, it's like the melodies that he sings are. It's almost this more spoken word style. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's because, and I think the reason is because, um, I think Donald does not like "Can't Buy a Thrill." Exactly. I think he he's he has some weird. Really? He has some weird. Uh, he because he never sings "Dirty Work." They never perform most of sure. the. They never perform "Kings." They never perform "Brooklyn." They never perform a lot of the song. Like I think the only ones that only a fool ever, did do that one. They never do only a fool. No, which I it's like my one think of my is a fantastic songs. song. But yeah, it is. It's one of my favorite Steely Dan songs. It's probably my favorite on oh, that okay. album. But yeah, they I mean, never do it live. Same. Yeah. It's a shame. I, I mean, I, half the record is like yeah. not even Don singing, though. So, like, yeah. you kind of understand why he would try to be like, "Yeah, these are not my fucking songs." <laughs> sure, that happens. No, he wrote them with a, a, a band's first record. You can't play uh, "Death Grips" uh, "Ex Military" on <laughs> uh, streaming anywhere. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, Don. Don. I don't think Walter feels similarly, but. Um... And and honestly, the real when they did real in when I saw them, it felt a little rote, to be honest. Yeah, this one is point. way better. Than but this one, this yeah. one, this one, is... they they go full Mario Kart mode on this one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking the green earrings, and we can touch on this when we get to it. But the green earrings on this is like full on early '90s video game like music. But... The, the Mario Kart thing in particular has come up yeah. several times. Yeah, and I actually saw it just like. I've seen people talk about it. I've talked about it before. I saw people talk about it. There's something there. Like, I mean, I guess it's just that Nintendo of Japan really likes jazz fusion sounds for the Mario Kart series. gotta say sometimes it just straight up sounds like Steely Dan and vice versa we gotta get Walt and, and Don as playable characters in the next Mario Kart shoot, <laughs> shoot, shoot little shells at each other oh that would be or like are you, know, you shooting uh, all your shells <laughs> you know how if you press like A B A B up 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 in like the old video games you could unlock secret characters like, exactly if, <laughs> they had built in Donald and Walter a secret you know Mario <laughs> Kart character yeah Walter Becker, <laughs> Ness. <laughs> oh, that would be Smash. That's Super Smash. We should get them in Super Same Smash difference. Brothers. Uh, just get yeah. them all in there. The '64 <laughs> version, they start getting in like Larry Carlton and Purdy. Yeah, like you can start to unlock Purdy and George Cornelius. Bumpus. <laughs> Cornelius Bumpus, a challenger approaches. <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, well, so, I mean, this song, this show is literally like two and a half hours. Um, but I I do need to make sure that we talk about down on the bottom again because, oh, like I yeah. said, when we were DMing, well, next, like right? this is basically an excuse. I, is it? It's not at. Oh, no, it, hey it's Josie and oh, Hey Nineteen, right. which Hey Nineteen does have a beautiful little skit. Don walking up to the Cuervo Gold Line. Um, <laughs> yeah. <he does. laughs> well, um, that be also again. This is the blueprint for for what became you know the 
the Steely Dan live experience. So the, the spoken word rap uh, was born here in these early shows where it started with Donald doing it, where he would do a little spoken word rap. Where like, you know, he would paint the picture of the song in a spoken word style. So he's like, you're with your girl, you're in a tent down at the beach. You know, you got something, you got a little bottle of, and then the, you know, the backup singers come in with the big, the big Cuervo gold. That's um, right. He also, this is for the, the Coke weed debate enthusiasts. He several times, uh, you know, basically said like, I think in one show he says like reefer. And then another time he refers to like a little baggie with that green stuff. So, mm. Um, so we got we've got the man's uh, uh, official statement. Yeah, yeah. Statement in nineteen whenever he wrote the song. <laughs> well, and that lines up with David Crosby's take, which if mm-hmm. we got to trust anyone, it's going to be him. So what that the fine Colombian is weed and not cocaine. That's right. I think it's it's pretty firmly settled at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's old news, <laughs> really. It is. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all I wanted to get in about Hey Nineteen and Josie. Just. Um, the drum solo became a staple. So Dennis Chambers is going nuts at the, for like two minutes, basically, right? Yeah, the Josie here is, yeah. is pretty wild. A, a pretty major uh, extension off the uh, studio version also, which is like, is it like four minutes or something on Asia, right? And here it's like eight. Yeah, it's, all, it's the extended drum soloed version of Josie. Um, That's what we love, the extended drum solo version <laughs> of Josie. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, down in the bottom. fantastic i mean the, the, and like this sounds so I, I just i i was saying i think when we talked on the um the the steely dan episode that we did on the other show recently 
uh, that like somehow <laughs> 11 tracks of whack has become my favorite record that either of these guys ever put out, like including <laughs> Asia and Gaucho. <laughs> so just, uh, and down on the bottom is, you know, far and away the, the best song on the record. Uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it makes me grin every time I hear it. And this one is like, it's pretty banging. It's a pretty banging version of it. It's like pretty muscular. This band, you know, is very jazzy and, and fusiony or whatever. Uh, but it also like they they can they can be a rock band at at certain times, and I think this is a perfect example of that. The horns come in, you got the backing vocals and stuff, but this is still just like this is a rock song, and uh, uh, especially Walter coming in with the vocals for the first time, which he takes a couple others um, throughout the rest of the show. Mm, doesn't get any better. Hard up case, I actually like more than even more than the version of Down in the Bottom here. I I just like kind of. Uh... It re reasserts that hard up case is a good song. It's sort good of a music. reggae number, so smoke them if you got them. As yeah. as Walter uh, introduces it, says very half heartedly. Uh, <laughs> I, I love. I love that the other song from Eleven Tracks of Whack that he picks is not like it's not a uh, little kawaii. It's not <laughs> too flat. It's not cringe maker or girlfriend. It's hard up case. Hard up case. It's a. It's a <laughs> kind of a banger you know i mean the bass line is absolutely you know vicious on on this live cut yeah and i think i mean i i mentioned this when we did our uh, tracks of whack episode but i feel like one thing that one of the hurdles for me in terms of getting into those albums was just um the kind of the 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 sort of lack of reverb in the production mm. it's so meat like it has that such a flat sound mm -hmm. but this yeah. this show has like plenty of reverb i think that it's in third world man that there's these these incredible snare hits that are just like they sound so dramatic it, it, am i thinking of the right moment there it might be in i'm pretty sure it's in third world man it's just like the atmosphere of it is like so well executed for a live show like there are some great dynamic shifts all through here with the band i've got to say yeah well donald has actually come out against reverb as a general like concept there was a quote <laughs> going around where he, he said says, that, what did he say about he it? said uh donald he, he said, said i have an aversion to reverb because i don't want to be alienated from my labor that's right <laughs> Oh, so it's a it's a Marxist critique. I love him. Of reverb. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> wow. So wow. that's his take on it. And I, I feel like it kind of ties into the idea that like I don't know. I feel like some people could take that as, you know, people who are less talented or less technically capable. They, you know, reverb is a quick fix, right? It's like you know the karaoke singers always there's always a lot of reverb on the mic so you can like make anyone sound good so sure i don't know it, i'm i'm sympathetic to that I, yeah I, I do like when it's refreshing when a record kind of doesn't do that it it can be actually um a really like bold choice yeah um for that reason yeah, the only I mean it's only on these two that I really notice it is uh whack and Kamikaria that it just sounds like so almost like un un <laughs> I don't know what what's the opposite of reverb heavy uh dry 
dry. Yeah, they're very dry records. Yeah. The, 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 and it, I I love that about them. You know, it's got that like distinctly just like time capsule, like midnight. Mm. Like you put that record on, you just know based <laughs> on the sound. Like this must have come out between the years 1994 and 1996. Uh, a couple of the early Modest Mouse records had that same kind of feeling. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, mutineer, Warren C. <laughs> sure, mutineer, exactly. Um, but uh, but being able to you know kind of uh, 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 moisten them up why <laughs> like this, <laughs> get them wet. I mean, damn. I mean, uh, yeah. Let's move on. Um, uh, Kid Charlemagne. Can we talk about that? I I just thought this was actually one of those moments when a song um really came through to me in a way that i think was uh like a a notable moment of me kind of really i just thought the drama of the execution of of donald's delivery and everything about the way they do it here it's like really good it really just the song just sells and sails well i think let's see because is this where the encore starts or does it or is this the last song? I think, right I think Kid Charlotte is the yeah. last before the encore. Yeah, it's the it's the official end and then because I, a couple more. Yeah. Three. I think this kind of became a staple too, where the last three were either these three songs or like the last two were some combination. Like these became the closers was uh Kid Charlemagne, Mild School, and FM. And I feel like probably the reason they got chosen is because they just work so well in a live uh, in a live setting. I don't know the audience. You can feel the response. I love the crowd noise in this mix too. <laughs> just again, something that you know. Yeah, unlike you know, Alive in America, which feel like bare like all. Is there any? Barely. I, any, I don't right? think so. Yeah, yeah it, it, it feels out. totally airless. Like they were just yeah. performing in their own studio. There wasn't even anyone to to watch the band. Isn't there like a slight cheer at in the is there gas on the car? Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> uh one of the great lyrics. Uh I gotta just uh drop a little love for green earrings also. Uh oh. and, and this particular version yeah. of green earrings, which just includes some like Stargate level jamming <laughs> uh in like the middle middle third of the, the song before the conclusion and after the intro. And then just segue seamlessly back into like Donald picks up the verse, you know, green earrings. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the incredible. Second, the second half of green earrings is like just literally like incredible jazz fusion. <laughs> <laughs>
piano solo is like magnificent. Like it's so good. They're on fire. Yeah. Wadinius, obviously. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's... <laughs> the great John Johnson. Yeah. I guess all the Royal Scam songs really shine here because Kid Charlemagne, Green Earrings, and I am very partial to the sign in Stranger that's on here, which is also yeah, the... stretched out and has a nice, has that vibraphone uh, introduction that I, I like. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I'm I'm Silent Stranger is not one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. Uh I would have taken like Case of Altamira or something <laughs> um uh, way before that, but live yeah. here at least in this version blows me away. Same thing with Third World Man actually just to yeah. go back to that like which that and my rival on Gaucho like always are kind of a downer mm. to me after the energy of the first five songs. Right. Um, but here, uh, you know, the the way they they like actually slow it down even more than it like as slow as it is on the record, they slow it down even further and really luxuriate in it. Um, yeah, it, it, it makes incredible it work, stuff. It, it's reverse psychology. And you'd think that <laughs> going faster is better, but sometimes even you got to go even slower to pay attention. It's, Sorry, um, I'm just listening to Bodhisattva now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> Doing an admirable job of uh, uh, relating this song in 1994 uh, compared to the way they did it in 1974, where they just seemed to be racing themselves every night to see <laughs> how much faster they could play it and still actually make it sound correct. Uh, this isn't quite have the, the manic in energy of the early 70s performances, but it's not too far off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Those early Bodhisattva uh, from the, the skunk Baxter days are... are They're psychos in yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are remarkable. Those are, yeah. Skunk. Yeah. Skunk yeah, Baxter. Well, well, yeah. one, of them, one of them was so good that I think you may know this. We may have talked about it on one of the... Uh, Jokerman episodes we did, but one the B side to is it the Hey Nineteen single? The B side is just a live cut of Bodhisattva from like seven years earlier. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, because it, I don't know. They just I don't know why they decided to do that instead of actually just picking one of the songs on Gaucho. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, Hey Nineteen, yeah. Bodhisattva, nineteen eighty. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's Bodhisattva. It's hard not to pull off well live because it's just like one it's one of their um it's kind of one of their go-to up up and adam yeah that up. that and my old school you know very basic you know steely dan classics that you're not gonna get a lot of cool points for saying oh these are great songs and i love to <laughs> hear them but also you know these are great songs and i love to hear them <laughs> um do you know the uh the brian setzer orchestra <laughs> They were I'm, kind of I'm like aware of the Brian Setzer orchestra. <laughs> they did that like jump, jive, and whale song that was in Gap commercials, and they were kind of part of the like '90s swing revival, right? Part they, of like the real big fish thing. That's that's not that that's uh, is that, is that a different thing? That's, that's Scott. Yeah, You're they were more like uh, the Stray Cats. <laughs> yeah, they're more like the Stray. I think it was the same guy. I think Brian Setzer. Oh, is that straight cat? He is I a straight it, cat. All right. Yeah, he's one of the straight cats. Yeah, that is him, isn't he? Okay. It is, yeah. But anyway, they covered uh <laughs> they actually covered Bodhisattva. And listening back to this version, I was like, okay, I can see how they came to that conclusion. Cause there is like a little <laughs> bit of like a swing revival 
Well, you play it fast enough, especially. It's like uh, <laughs> you can do. Oh no, yeah, you want to grab your sweetie baby and spin her around and <laughs> yeah, slide spin her, her, slide yeah. her under your legs and <laughs> right. throw her up in the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In that order, as fast as you possibly can. Exactly. <laughs> misses on this uh this yeah i mean it's it's just hit after hit like this is as good as it gets i mean i will say like fm as a clo- like the absolute end of the whole thing as mm. a closer it has always been kind of weird to me they do that in the 2001 also yeah. that we talked about recently it's a it's a fascinating song because it's like somewhere in between royal scam and asia right in like not only in terms of time but in terms of like it's not quite like the you know psychedelic you know jazz fusion from asia but it's also pretty far beyond where they were you know on uh, katie and royal scam yeah. it's uh maybe i just haven't you know developed a uh a heart bond with it as as much as i have with uh, other things but here it's yeah. as the absolute you know sending <laughs> them out of the starplex amphitheater uh and don wishing them a safe drive home uh choice here you know yeah i don't know yeah, but it is like the third song of the <laughs> encore, so like I don't care at that point. Like they could do whatever. They the do. Uh, the my boys are getting sleepy at that point. Yeah. No, it's just yeah. My old school. I guess it's just two. Uh-huh. Listen, I'm just saying, if it was glamour profession, I would have been. <laughs> you know, I would have been doing handstands in the aisle. Well, yeah, they did glamour profession around <laughs> the tour after this. They did glamour, and and the tour after this has even has quite a few of the deeper Steely Dan cuts. But um, with this one, you get some of the the tracks of Wax. So, although actually, mm-hmm. no, wait, there are tracks of Wax on uh, on that tour as well. They played. Um, I know they do Book of Liars, but I think they also do um, My Waterloo. <laughs> What? My... <laughs> yeah, there's video of it. I've seen it. Oh my god! It popped up. Is that ninety five, ninety six, something like that? Ninety six. Yeah, I don't think they toured Incredible. in ninety five. Yeah, I don't know why my Waterloo and Hard Up Case. Those are just. I mean, Hard Up Case goes pretty hard here. No pun intended, but um, <laughs> my water. I guess it's because of the reggae thing that Walter has such an affinity. Because my Waterloo also has a a strong uh reggae influence to it that's right jesus you're yeah you're right i'm looking at the oh my yeah. god this is so it's from 96 i've got there's one from uh october 8th 1996 that includes yeah. glamour profession into my waterloo just one oh, wow. into the other and alex i don't know if this will mean quite as much to you as it does to us but evan you want to guess where this concert took place in 1996 steely dan no it's not <laughs> possible really <laughs> It, it, it might be possible depending on what your answer is is it in jolly old slain 
Uh, it's not in Slain. No. Okay. Think uh, the Far East, the land of the rising sun. <laughs> Budokan. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> the second, uh, <laughs> second best outcome there. Exactly. Uh, man. All right. I yes, got to dig show... up a 1996 bootleg now. Yeah. And they toured in Japan in 94 too. There's a, there's a Nagoya uh, bootleg out there. Yeah. You know, the proverbial big in Japan there, they made the cut. So they, <laughs> they've toured Japan, I think, you know, like four or five times. They seem, the Japanese audience seems like they would appreciate, yeah. uh, you know, what they do. It seems like a, a, there's some kismet there. Yeah. I think it's the, their, you know, jazz is so huge over there. Do we, oh, one song that we did not touch on that I want to make sure we get to. Uh, the set to opener is a little number called True Companion. Now, in my opinion, this is the deepest of the deep cuts. So this yeah, what, is... Uh, what is True Companion? So, um, again, the hardcores will, will know what this is because this song uh, was included. So the, you know the they did a... They did a release of um, the first three Donald albums called the Nightfly Trilogy. So they did a big reissue. It was the Nightfly, Comic Curiata, and Morph the Cat. And there was a fourth CD, which was a compilation of all the Donald solo songs that were not on those albums from like the time period between Nightfly and Morph the Cat because there, he, he's done a few soundtrack songs. And then there are like a few songs that were left off of uh, Comic Curiata that are on there. Um, but even pre-Nightfly, there's a solo Donald song called True Companion. This was released in 1981. That was on the soundtrack for a movie called Heavy Metal. Are you familiar well, with this oh, movie? The, yeah, the is it Ralph Bakshi or was it not? Yeah, him? It was, it's not him, but it's, it's one in of those that realm. It is. Yeah. The rotoscoped 80s animation yeah. film. Blue it's... Oyster Cult, Cheap Trick, <laughs> Devo, Donald Fagan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, incredible collection that Donald ended up there. But um, yeah, there's so hit the segment that True Companion is part of is like a futuristic noir about okay. a character named like Harry Canyon. Let me look this up. <laughs> sure. Harry yeah, Canyon is a cab driver in a futuristic New York City. During the events of his chapter, Harry meets, quote, the girl, the daughter of a professor who finds the Lochnar on an alien planet and brings it to the New York Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art. Of course. So, yeah, that's the origin of this song, True Companion, which for God knows what reason they decided to bring back as part of the the 94, 94 tour. Um, but I actually think this is quite a beautiful uh, rendition. So good for them. Anyway. Yeah, I. Uh, this was not lore for you. <laughs> I think this yeah, was maybe the one deep. song on the whole set that I was not familiar with going in, but it, you know, I think it, it fits in perfectly. It's the first song uh, of the second set, right? Cause they yeah. wrap up the first part after black Friday and they come out with this as just like sort of a instrumental kind of opener. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, it's the set to kickoff. Yeah, because it opens with a pretty long uh, instrumental. So again, it's kind of going back to that instrumental, like warm up, I guess. But they're the, exact, the same way that the medley at the beginning of yeah. the first set. I can see your 
there's only one Steely Dan bootleg. There, I, there, it's a tie for first for me because I'd pick one from the seventies and one from the reunion era. My seventies sure. pick would be one from May seventy four. That's unbelievable. It's mm. um, at the the London uh, Rainbow Theater. It's just the best. There's nothing even close um, for that era. And then for me, this is the best from from the nineties and and better than Alive in America for my money. But oh, no question about it. Yeah, and a great and better, set list. Yeah, yeah, perfect set list. Better as far as I'm concerned than the one that we talked about on our show. I don't know when these are coming out yeah. in relation to one another, but this version of the band in '94, even though it doesn't include some of the material from 2000 you know, from the reunion stuff, which I think that other one had uh, Jenny Runaway and um, yeah. Jack of Speed and uh, Dupree, which Dupree. are all bangers, obviously. Those characters <laughs> we love. Yeah, exactly. Three the characters. great characters. I did miss um, some of the characters here, you know, but well, they weren't born yet, some of them. Yeah, you get plenty of characters. You get, you get the third world man. You get Kid Charlemagne himself. Right. You get the Babylon sisters. <laughs> uh, you get Peg. We all That's love right. Peg. That's true. <laughs> um, this version of the band, I think, is is a little more my speed than than it was in two thousand um, live, at least, because yeah. it sounds more loose, more uh, exciting, more limber, more rocking. I think, and and part of that might be because of the the Tomorrow's Girls and Hard Up Case and uh, Down in the Bottom that's included. <laughs> um, we didn't even talk about Tomorrow's Girls. But that's amazing here. Oh yeah, um, we didn't talk about Tomorrow's Girls. I love uh, tomorrow's girls. That's fantastic here, yeah. Um, but uh yeah, you know, folks, Steely Dan. Live band. It's great stuff. Live music, it's one of my favorite genres. Especially when you <laughs> listen to it not live. And the thirty years after the fact. <laughs> yeah. It's that's when stuff. it gets really good. <laughs> Ages. Because yeah. uh, it's uh, got those live cultures in it. Town is just like any other. Good citizens at work and play. All the folks doing business in the normal way. This morning was like any other. Mommy's kiss and daddy's goodbye. But then the milkman screamed and pointed up at the
Couple tunes, Deacon Blues, Tomorrow's Girls. Now, once again, here's Walter Becker. Thank you.